Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts is a brand new and unique store, boutique-styled retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products where Wicked and cannabis cultures come together for a rather unique atmosphere. They're located on 185 Worcester Street, right next to Subway and Hertz Rental Car. Their hours of operation are Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and they can be contacted at 508-545-8105. They are closed on Sundays, and you can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Google+. Listening to Goth Girl Horror, the official Hackslash podcast, part of the Radio Horror Network. Hackslash is dedicated to the comic book series created by Tim Seeley. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm your co-host, Serena. Tonight on the show, we also have a special guest with us. We have Alice from Twitter, also from her many a public many a publications that she happens to be right who which yeah. she happens to write for, such as Fauna Link. Okay, the first one I can't, I never did able to figure out on your Twitter, but also a columnist oh. on Bloody Disgusting and a contributor to Film and Fishnets. Yeah, it's uh, Infinite Frontiers Online and then uh, Bloody Disgusting, Film and Fishnets, uh, pretty much wherever anyone will have me. Well, thank you for coming on the th- uh, third issue of the ongoing Hack Slash series with us. Thank you for inviting me. Alice, why don't you go into a bit of a brief description of who you are besides what I gave away? Well, I do many different things. I wear many hats. Uh, At the moment, I'm mostly a writer. Um, Like I said, Bloody Disgusting and Infinite Frontiers and the like. Uh, I did some articles last month for, like, the Consport Historical Society, which I am also a uh, regular on the podcast there. What is that? Uh, it is a show. It is a podcast about the show Dark Shadows. Yeah, so um, we've got the first episode up. The second one is uh, getting finished. We got lots of people on there, like uh, like Dana Gould, um, and uh, it's a fun time. You're not reviewing every single episode of Dark Shadows, are you? That's a thousand episodes. You would die before the time <laughs> you got finished with it. <laughs> no, we're not doing it. Um, each ep- each episode is a uh, is like a topic. So like the first episode is like all about the family, and like the the next episode will be about a character. Oh, okay, okay. Well, let me know whenever you get to that doc- that Dark Shadows documentary that just came out. Yeah, Master of Shadows. I'm really, I actually I haven't seen it yet. I'm really looking forward to it. It's out. I just I haven't uh, I haven't gotten a chance yet. And feel free to invite me on the show when you get around to shitting all over Tim Burton's travesty of Dark Shadows. <laughs> I think they got it half right in that one. Please explain to me because I will wrench that movie apart about how awful they made it. I mean, for God's sakes, the the uh, the actual actors from the TV series barely got a walk on, and they're just like, oh look, there they are, blinking, you miss them. 
Yeah, there they are, and there's Alice Cooper. No, like, the stuff that I liked was, like, the, the like the look of Collinwood, the uh, way they uh, evoked a lot of the different, you know, um, stuff from the era. Right, they, they got the names right. Characterizations, but I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was fantastic as, you know, the matriarch of the family, Elizabeth Collins, and I just, my, my main issue was, like, all the, like, fish out of water humor they were trying to inject with Barnabas. Like, that's not the way that to, to the rest of the movie... Maybe they watched um, too many uh, b- episodes of Angel and, Bla- you know, the Blade movies, where they're, where both Blade and Angel are constantly quipping, along with their brooding and being all silly and, like, dark and gothic. Um, I mean, the worst thing ever is, like, when he's like, that is the ugliest woman alive, Alice Cooper, and you're like, ah-ha-ha! Ha. Oh, that was the worst, yeah. I mean, the best part of that movie is any dress that Ava Green wears, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, I completely agree. Ava Green was... Actually, I still like Ava Green in that, but I, I have a huge crush on her anyway, so I'm biased. Serena, why don't we jump right yeah. into the plot of issue three of Hackslash? This week, we are continuing with the second issue of the three-issue story arc for Shout at the Devil, released by Devil's Due Press on July 1st, 2007, and written by Tim Seeley. Pencils by Emily Stone, lettered by Brian J. Crowley, with colorist Courtney Villa. Today's issue opens in Ybor City, Florida, with the band Acid Wash celebrating backstage with some groupies after the concert. Gertrude is outside arguing with the security guard that the band would want her backstage, but he refuses while a man pleads with an officer outside that his daughter is missing. Elsewhere, Cassie is arguing with the cloaked figures to unhand Georgia. They speak a foreign language and push a blonde girl into a mouth-like pit in the ground. More words are spoken, but they leave before Cassie and Georgia can be sacrificed to the pit. Back in Eminence, Indiana, Chris is telling Vlad he and Lisa can wire him some hooker money, with Lisa even going so far as to offer to sleep with Vlad herself. They do owe Cassie their lives, after all. Okay, we'll get to that part eventually. Go on. (laughs) Back elsewhere, Cassie and Georgia are taken prisoner back to the cloaked figures campsite where they meet a man in a Hawaiian shirt who argues with their captors that they were to bring three girls, not two. He puts them in a cage instructing Pooch, a hairless demonic dog, to look after them. Pooch immediately offers to trade information for petting, which Georgia refuses, but Cassie obliges. Pooch explains that they are in Neff, which is ruled by powerful gods who cannot create. Instead, they find someone from our world, such as, um, such as themselves, and give them gifts. In return, he sends them pure ones for the gods. In Florida, Vlad is at a bar where he runs into a drunk Gertrude. He offers to walk her home, and in the way she tell, on the way, she tells him her story and kisses him as he turns to leave. In their cage back in Neff, Georgia and Cassie are discussing Cassie's virginity. While Cassie claims to be too weird for guys, Georgia counters that that just can't be. She's far too attractive. Cassie confesses that she feels weird around guys. Georgia tells Cassie she thinks she might be gay, especially after Cassie's excitement over Georgia's suggestion that if they weren't in chains, she'd make sure they were both too impure for the gods. In Eminence, Chris and Lisa are on the phone with Vlad as he's unsure how to actually have sex. However, the phone call is cut short, as it appears Vlad has figured it out with Gertrude. In Ybor City, the other band members are being packed up to travel, and they ask why only six gets to have a human form, to which he replies, it's because he's the front man, dude. Elsewhere, Cassie and Georgia are in tribal sacrificial costumes atop what looks like Mesoamerican pyramids, as Georgia frantically pleads for her life. (laughs) 
And the end music is composed by the great John Williams for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Any other music? Now, this comic book only has one cover, as far as I'm aware. Does it really? I thought it, I thought this one had two. Uh, I do I'm not see credits confused. for any other cover on huh. the front page. You are free to look this up right now while I am discussing the issue panel by panel. <laughs> Just correct me. Well, I have a number 3B by Brian Baugh. Well, who's on the cover for that? Cassie and Vlad and a bunch of other people. Who are the bunch of other people? Six and some girls. All right, post it on Twitter um, because I don't have a credits for that other cover in the oh. inside credits. The inside credits are the usual suspects that we normally have discussed before. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the shot of Cassie crowd surfing with the with everyone. I guess zombified. Yeah. Have either one of you ever been crowd surfing? No. <laughs> nope. I've been to a lot of concerts. I had a tooth knocked out at a Slayer concert, but never crowd surfing. You know, it's funny. A woman I'm going out with on Tuesday, second date, said to me that there was a fight that broke out at the Hootie and the Blowfish concert yes, last night. Now, oh friends God. of mine what? went to yeah, friends of mine went to the Iron Maiden concert on Friday, and they didn't. Nobody posted about any fight whatsoever breaking out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, it wasn't a fight. I just got elbowed in the mosh pit, but yeah, it's Hootie. Yeah, Hootie the Bowfish, but the Iron Maiden concert, everyone was pretty civil. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right for metalheads. Okay, so we uh, the first panel that opens up is of someone's uh, large breasts. Right there for a Tim Seeley comic book. Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we all... Now, this character that showed up previously, the uh, number one fan of the uh, the band, she... Uh, Gertrude. Gertrude! Gertrude! Basically kind of stereotypical fan who will show her breast to get what she wants, I guess? She's the first groupie. What's, if it works, it works. It reminds me of something that is that uh, I read about on uh, social media for a convention locally. Somebody it, got pretty pissed at this con because she was as she claims, the only person who was giving them any kind of coverage years ago, and now that they've become so much bigger, she can't get, like, a free press pass. But she doesn't have any kind of media for what she does. She just has, like, a kind of a crappy Twitter and a crappy YouTube channel. She And she also has high expectations. Uh, yeah, apparently so. But uh, mm-hmm. it's very similar to the, the, the character in the comic book, too. She She uses a certain type of physical attribute to kind of get what she wants, so... Yeah, um, at the same time, it works. Yeah, but mm-hmm. when it comes to like more professional things like conventions and businesses, not so much. True. You know what I'm saying? So the less it's said, the better. True. Who do these demons remind you the two of? Which demons? Neff lords? Yeah. Neff lords? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, they kind of remind me of something that like Buffy or Angel would run into on Buffy or Angel. Oh, like Very in true. season two, Buffy, yeah, like, uh, oh, God, I can't even remember their name, but definitely, yep, for sure. But they would definitely be like, if you remember in season five of Angel, they really went crazy with the demons and monsters Angel would run into because he was the heading, he was running Wolfram and Hart now. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. And then the pit that they throw her in looks like a giant anal, uh, anal vagina with teeth. Yeah, when I saw it, my, uh, my brain was like, that's a sarlacc anus. 
Yeah, or something like that. Kind of like, have you ever seen the uh, the movie Teeth? Either one of you? With Vagina yeah. Dentata? Yes. Oh, yes. That movie's classic. Got it was so classic coffee. that Walmart wouldn't carry it. <laughs> I love that movie. Actually, yeah, great. I had a... Uh, a girl I, with teeth in her vagina? God, no. <laughs> Any dim went uh, dumb enough to stick their cock in crazy, that crazy, whatever, deserves to have it being <laughs> off. I had a quick Sarlacc quote. Victims of the Almighty Sarlacc, his excellency hopes that you will die honorably. But should any of you wish to beg for mercy, the great Jabba the Hutt will now listen to your plea. Free Peel, you tell that slimy piece of worm-ridden filth to get no such pleasure from us. Right? I just also had to throw in that last line by Harrison Ford and then Chewbacca tell him to shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of remind me of goofy monsters that you would have seen on, like, Buffy or Angel. I don't, I can't recollect any movie that had, like, a giant pit people being thrown into other than Return of the Jedi. That's a good question. So we're up to the part where Vlad's trying, Vlad, Vlad, Vlad is trying to figure out what is he going to do to have sex? And Lisa is willing to throw herself into bed with Vlad to make this happen. Have you ever seen The Initiation of Sarah? No. no. Okay, so it's a remake of a movie from back in the 70s. They remade it today. The original movie starred... The original movie came out in 1978. It was about a college student who uses her supernatural powers against a rival sorority house. It's a remake of a TV movie from 1978, and it became a 2006 movie starring Summer Glau, Mika Borom, Joanne Garcia Swisher, Jennifer Tilly, and Morgan Fairchild. She was actually in the original. In the movie, huh. they're going to sacrifice virgins, and the, the lead witch, the lead good witch, wants to protect the man she loves, so she does so by having sex with him, so he's no longer a virgin. Now, if you also remember Once Bitten, the, the vampirist needs a virgin, and Robin's, uh, Robin, Jim Carrey's girlfriend, has sex with him, so the vampire can't bite him. I just watched Once Bitten earlier this week. I don't know. What, what, how do you both feel about Lisa throwing, allowing Vlad to sleep with her so he's no longer a virgin because he's not going to get laid based on the way he looks? He's got I mean, a good personality. Okay, that's I mean, that to stop with that. He's very caring, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah, good personality does not get you laid. Hey, it, it, it helps. It most certainly can. In Vlad's case... Personality can take, like, a 10 from a 2 and, like, a 4 to an 8. Yeah, but Chris also explains to Vlad, it takes a little bit of time. It, like, you know, it's well, not the same game, not especially if you've ever played, and people, especially in this game, are really judgmental. You go find a girl... <laughs> uh, no, what did you say? Oh, it's... Uh, but talking to but talking to women, getting them to like you, getting them home, well, it's really hard. It's really hard for normal guys, even. Oh, that part was uh, was so funny. Just Vlad just just trying so hard and failing upwards. Yeah. By the way, did you notice what Chris and Lisa had just done right while he's saying this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, Chris looks like Chris, and he saved Lisa's, you know, him and Lisa kind of like hooked up due to uh, survivor syndrome. So <laughs> He's got a good personality. I don't know. It counts for a lot. 
it, it would just take him maybe a little longer, uh, but he needs it done fast. So I like I don't see why why not. The guy that captured the guy that helped capture all of the virgins, including uh, um, Cassie and Georgina. Uh, what does he remind you of? What television TV star? Oh, I can tell you immediately. I was actually have that in my notes. Um, he remind their jailer reminds me so much of Hunter S. Thompson and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I was gonna say Gilligan from Gilligan's Island. Actually, <laughs> he looks like Gilligan too. Like, like, yeah. I like, but the reason I said Hunter was because he had like the button-down like uh, Hawaiian shirt. But yeah, I could totally see Gilligan. Serena, you take it away with what happens after he leaves him alone. Oh wait, uh, we meet Pooch, one of the coolest characters in the whole series that you, for no reason, hate. Maybe I just hey. don't like ugly things. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Even ugly things need love, too. I would never take that animal <laughs> home if I saw it at the vet. <laughs> I mean, it's nice. Did you ever see Rocky Balboa? It reminds me of the dog that Rocky adopts in Rocky Balboa. It's a scraggly, <laughs> ugly-looking animal. <laughs> You're terrible. I know, so, I know. I'm going to hell. That's okay. They have the best bands there. My first thought when I saw Poochie was a reference. Uh, Poochie ain't nothing but a hound dog. Yeah, and that's what this guy's supposed to be. He was like Elvis yeah. once, right? That's what they're implying? Yeah, 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 it's Elvis. That's interesting. Yeah, I got like, a, I got like, there's so many like El- Elvis references that I was noticing throughout the whole thing. It's crazy. Because like, you know, like Elvis is widely regarded by many people as like the first of the rock gods. So it would make sense that he's the one sacrificing the virgins so all the future rock gods can keep, you know, doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the white rock gods. Now, yeah, Vlad- <laughs> that's true. <laughs> now, Vlad meets the band's number one fan, and she goes home with them. She's also intoxicated, too. But Vlad Probably. doesn't know any better, really. I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares, and he's doing this because he loves Cassie, so... Yes, that's his total motivation. Now, this comes up later on, because he does mention he loves Cassie, and later on, um, like, previously, Cassie kind of flipped out at Vlad because she said that you're the only, you know, you just want to fuck me like every other guy. And this comes up later on when uh, she has sex, it's the pumpkin man, the serial killer, um, Mm -hmm. pumpkin guy, the pumpkin man, right? Is that his name? Something like that. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, oh, Sam Hain. Sam Hain, that's his name. Yeah. And he gets pissed at her because, you know, she finds him more attractive than Vlad. Yeah. I just thought, you know, it's worth mentioning that, you know, when he mentions about Cassie, lo- you know, him loving Cassie, loving him. Very true. Mm-hmm. What type of dog would you say Pooch is? Or he's just a demon dog? He is like a hairless pit thing with a severe overbite and underbite. <laughs> yeah, he's like if uh, a hellhound and a pit bull had sex. Yeah, and then like went and stole grandma's dentures. Yeah, definitely stole grandma's dentures. <laughs> he's so cute though. Yeah. As we get back to Cassie and Georgia Peaches in their cage, that's when Georgia reveals that I mean, I don't know if she straight out just comes out to Cassie that she's a lesbian, but she asks Cassie if she he 
She has never had any attraction to guys. Is it possibly because she is gay? I mean, I think saying if I could, I'd make us good and then pure uh, is a pretty good coming out. Yeah, I'm not sure. What, I thought that was her coming where, out. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not sure where um, where to go on that one because um, with with way the way Cassie talks about it, she's not. It's, it's like she isn't entirely sure just yet where she is on sort of you know the spectrum. Yeah, of and, and sexuality. And Georgia is the only up until Cack's last resurrection. She is the only woman, as far as we're aware, because there's some time period after she leaves, after the Army of Darkness crossover, she's kind mm-hmm. of on the road again. Cassie comes across as being very asexual most of the time, and then she's like, and then, uh, again, the only three people that we're aware that she's ever been with is uh, Georgia, Ash from the Evil Dead, and Sam Hain. Yeah. Yeah. But who can't resist Bruce Campbell and that chin of his, you know? Just Yeah, how could you? The chin. I'm gonna meet him in uh in October at Rock and Shock. Can't He's wait. awesome. He's exactly how you imagine him to be. He's fantastic. Now regards to Cassie and George's kinda of coming out in this issue, do you guys want do you girls want to discuss your own um Sexuality. Sexuality, yes. <laughs> this is a big topic for this yeah, issue and the next one. Well, actually, they don't sleep together the next one. I read ahead. They don't sleep together until her and Georgia come back together. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, uh, Cassie talking about how, like, she's not sure if she's get gay. It just doesn't feel right with guys. Like, they make her feel weird. Like, I've totally understood that. Me Process too. is one of those things that it's like, Especially when it comes to guys, like, in school that, like, a lot of other girls are attracted to, and I wasn't, it would be like, okay, but I am attracted to girls, so maybe I'm gay. But then every now and again, there's a guy that's like, wait, no, I could not give up guys forever. No. <laughs> so I'm not all the way just gay. So it's what I, I relate. I could understand that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's, it's, it, it, it flows. Sexuality is sort of like water. It just sort of flows. Yeah, Sometimes definitely. You get, you know, the right person with whatever configuration. Well, Alice, you're all you're uh, in that regard, you're all you're 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 the same and also a little different. When did you um start kind of realizing your transition? Oh, that's a long story. Give us the shorter answer. <laughs> okay. So, I so originally, I thought I was just attracted to men only. That wasn't to be. I was. Uh, I started hormones about 11 years ago, and from there, everything changed inside my head. So it's just uh, that. That was one thing that nobody ever told me when I started hormone replacement therapy was that, oh yeah, it might change your mess about with your sexuality just a little bit so it just sort of that's that's the short truncated version because it's a that's that's the long one understandable. understandable i had no idea it would mess with like sexuality feelings like that that's very interesting 
Yeah, I've heard yeah that nobody before. told me that. I was so confused. Like, I had to go through it again. I was like, all right, I think I know where I stand on the sexuality spectrum here. But that, no, uh-uh. I'm 31, and I still don't know where I stand half the time. Somewhere. Yeah, I, I know where I stand, just based on, like, I, I make a joke once in a while going, that is the reason why, how I found out I was straight. You know, looking at, like, Elvira or Jessica Rabbit or, you know, whatever. But I've always, you know, and someone's like, have you ever questioned it? Do you know for sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I just find men disgusting. I mean, I, I can't even stand the own hair on my body. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay, good answer. Also, I have, I have a terrible fashion sense, too. Uh, <laughs> I, in regards to what you said, Serena, uh, I think the first time I was with somebody that I was aware was, was openly bisexual was I asked that same question of her. She discovered that she was attracted to women when she was actually in prison. She was. She went to jail for her for a year. When she got out, though, she you know kind of went back to dating guys. But she then dated a woman. I was like, well, what made you go back to dating guys? And she just blurted out, "I miss dick." Yes. <laughs> She's like, I don't care what any woman says. It's not the same. And no. I was like, well, okay then. And then we proceeded <laughs> to have. And then we proceeded to have sex that night. So, <laughs> but I was no, just like blown away. I was just like, well, okay, I. I was not, and then she put her I, hand on my on my on my knee or whatever when she said that too. I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> let me close my door. Yes, no, I totally understand that feeling. And there's also like for me, there's also the sense of like I don't think I could be in like a romantic relationship with another woman sexually. Oh yeah, but romantically, just. No, I don't think I could. A few bisexual women I have talked to have said that to me. My ex-girlfriend said to me that she can never see herself in a romantic relationship with a woman, mainly because she thinks women are batshit crazier than men. <laughs> yeah, there might be a lot more to fear from men, but in terms of like emotional and personality, she said that she is afraid of women sometimes. That is her quote, not me saying this. So just pointing that out there yeah. to anyone listening. No. I don't want to hear about it in the comment section below. I feel like I would be a terrible partner for an, another woman. Like seriously, I would. I am not. I am not the kind of. No, I would be a terrible partner to another woman for sure. I don't need to be in a relationship with one. The poor thing. It would not be okay. I think everyone's story is completely different. Whether there's been emotional yeah. baggage, like, uh... physically abusive baggage, or just overall, like let's say you've never had a bad encounter with the opposite sex or the same sex, and you're just like, no, it's just not for yeah. me. I don't want to put myself in that position, or I don't want to worry about it, because I just don't feel like I need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of of the 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 thing now where I, I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite. I, um, I, I don't think I could have an, an emotional relationship with a male-identified individual. Yeah. Then the uh, the band leader locks up his uh, band members in their coffins for shipment. The crates, like he said, like he said earlier, uh, like you know, don't like step out of line or I'll put you back in the crate. Just sort of, yeah, I guess they're for shipment. That was that you was totally skipped from over the page where Vlad and Gertrude have sex. Right with uh, the kiss. <laughs> Um, bath mat. Yeah. <laughs> and the Death Leopard, um... Shower, shower curtain. curtain. Shower curtain, yeah. Yeah, and a kiss poster behind where he is obviously humping her. And the oh-so-classy lava lamp. Right? And because... Vlad, uh, uh, heart boxers. Those are cute. There's a diner here in, uh, Framingham that all of the waitresses wear boxers. Because they're oh pajama bottoms. But hold on, this is decreed by the owners... 
male and female, and the, the, the I never I've never met the husband, but the wife is always working there, and her three daughters are there, uh, one of which is a lesbian. And uh, I asked, is it boxers? She's like, no, it's actually supposed to be um, it's pajamas. It's, 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 it, the thing is, you get you wear the T-shirt we give you, which is a normal T-shirt with the, the the diner logo on it. For bottoms, everyone has to wear because they serve breakfast all day. They only serve breakfast, uh-huh. so everyone's supposed to be in their pajamas. You can wear pajama shorts or pants. Ninety percent okay, of the girls. Like my daily. You know, yeah, one. they said. However, the cooks all wear. Uh, if they're working around the grill, we recommend they definitely wear uh, pants, pajama pants. <laughs> recommend. But, recommend. Really yeah, yeah, not just because of health code violations, but also because of, uh, you know, splattering and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah. 90% of the women that I've seen work there all wear boxer shorts. Of course, that sounds really comfy. And the guys wear boxer yeah. shorts, too, apparently, as well. However, so one of the guy one of the guys who worked there uh, said, I said, how do you deal with, you know, the bait and tackle slipping out once in a while on boxer shorts? I was about to say, like, are the guys wearing underwear underneath their boxers? They said a couple, that, a couple of us do, because that has happened. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, pull them up to a table and be like, here's your pancakes and your sausage. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't order the beans with that, but I'll take those anyway. <laughs> be terrible. So we get to the temple, and it's the pit of like, oh, on the bottom. Can you imagine that being a scene in a movie? Oh my god. Yeah, of the last apocalypto or the the last panel of the, of the right, and then it says to be impregnated, which again I read ahead, and there is we're gonna have a serious discussion about hentai. Next episode, Serena. I know. You're so excited. I'm so excited to talk about tentacle porn. Um, <laughs> I will have my top ten recommendations of tentacle porn here on the podcast. Oh and my God. guess what? It's relevant to the podcast. Yeah, considering you say so. In two weeks, people. Actually, I, I just remembered um, one of Spoilers for if you haven't seen From Dusk Till Dawn, there actually yes. is a very similar shot to the uh, the temple at the end. At the end. Yeah. Right, right, which they don't explore very much until the television show came along like 20 years later. Yeah, yeah, and there's like all the trucker and stuff at the bottom. Not right, the right, right. Like, yeah, that, that, that was always a prolonged, interesting shot. And then I think someone said the third movie kind of went into it, but nobody gave a shit. But again, the nobody TV cares. theory. Yeah, the first the, one's the only one that counts. Yeah, just like the first season of the TV series is the only one that counts. The show got canceled after three seasons. I didn't even watch the show, but the movie is literally one of my favorite things in the entire world. The back cover has a great little quote, which I know, Serena, you don't have. Now, do you have the trades or do you have the floppies, Alice? Oh, I have it. Uh, I have the, the omnibus from Hoopla. Okay, so, and uh, yeah, I have it on uh, the Hoopla app, and uh, Serena's actually doing this from the, the phone book style trades. Yes. It says, Hackslash is what Buffy might have been if it had been created by Wes Craven and Rob Zombie instead of Joss Whedon. I fucking love that. I agree with that. Sure. RandyLanderComicPants.com says that. And on the back again, it once again says, slated to be a major motion picture from Rogue Pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a long time. So the back cover's got the next issue with Cassie holding an axe and it's like a CD cover. Yeah, that next issue's great. Yeah, with somebody pulling on her shirt and her busty boobs hanging out. Her busty B-cut. Yeah, busty (laughs) B's. Yeah, Alice, if you've heard the podcast, we've we've had many a discussion of the uh, the ups and downs of Cassie's breast size every issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I noticed 
some I because like previous to this like I I'd, I'd read a few here and there and I just like I don't, my comic collections in another state so I was just picking up omnibus and reading through some of like the one shots and like uh, the one with uh, like issue one you know with Frank from Hellraiser and mm-hmm. all that so yeah I was noticing some uh, a, a lot of uh, you know artistic freedom. Artistic freedom, yeah. Let's just call it that. <laughs> I mean, we get the full shot of that in about six months when we get to... Sorry, another, what, four months we'll get to the Suicide Annual. And in that, uh, I mean, we see Cassie completely nude for the first time. And we're mm-hmm. actually we're going to have a Suicide Girl on the show with us. Woohoo! Cool. The ads for the issue conclude Swords of Dragonfire, a Forgotten Realms game, which I've never played a uh, the previously mentioned G.I. Joe Icons ad, the Gen Con ad, which I've never been to Gen Con. Have either one of you ever been to Gen Con? No, it is, really. It's a long-time uh, running convention. In 2007, it was actually its 40th anniversary, so they would be oh up God. for their 54th anniversary. Yeah, lots of like board games yeah. and tabletop stuff. Right. Another ad for Dungeons & Dragons. The comic grade, what is it called? The CGC, which is where you send your comic books to be graded. Yep. And I think that is a racketeer. I think it might be, too. Just a way to put up more prices. I I swear to God, everything was fine with comic books being priced the way they were until they came along. I'm I'm not a big fan of theirs whatsoever. No. I think it's ridiculous that comic books are based on this number point system. And it's just like, a CGC graded copy of Hackslash number one is worth $500. Near, you know, oh, near nice. mint, issue number one, you know, or not the issue, you know what I mean, the first one shot, or whatever. But yeah. if it's not, it's only like a $50 book. It's like, what? Yeah. Why? Yeah, it's, it's completely insane write-ups, and that's that's all it's for. It's like all those grading systems for, like, you know, like training cards or whatever. It's all, it's all mm-hmm. the same, just a way to, you know, get more money out of the fan base. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's another ad for Chucky and the Zombie Reanimated, which has a sexy hooker zombie. No more Chucky. No more. We're done. <laughs> Don't make me talk about it again. <laughs> but we will talk about the fact that Shudder has uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street films, which is fantastic. Yes. yes. So if you go to Shudder.com, we don't have a code for you because they don't sponsor us. I think it's only like four ninety nine a month, and there's like a lot it of codes is. out there that you can get a free month for Shutter. Check them out. Longtime friend of this show, Diana Prince, aka the mail call girl of the last drive-in, has been on the show. She is on that with uh, Joe Bob Briggs. That's correct. Yeah, I love Diana. She's so sweet. Oh, she's, she's so wonderful. sweet. And if you've ever seen her uh, <laughs> body of work. Mm-hmm. In and out of the adult industry, she is incredibly sexy. Yeah, yes, she is. She I'm is a huge fan of the last drive-in. And her and Joe Bob have both been on the Radio Horror Show as guests. And she oh, that's has been really cool. I didn't know that. And she has expressed interest in coming on Goth Girl Horror as well. Because what better podcast to come on about slashers than a than the mail call girl for a guy who covers slashers on a weekly Shutter television series. I exactly. It's definitely her kind of thing. Back to the Nightmare on Elm Street. So they have all six of the, sorry, they have this first six Nightmare on Elm Street movies on there, and they're in HD as well. And Best Buy recently re-put them out on Blu-ray with a holographic cover, which has Robert England on it. So definitely check that out. 
The other reason I'm bringing this up is that uh, the documentary, I think, is wrapping filming soon on Icons, the Robert England story. So Robert England is going to be getting his own documentary from the guy who brought us the uh, Pet Cemetery documentary and the upcoming Pennywise, the Story of It documentary. Oh, cool. Yep. Boston's own Yeti, John Campiano. And the reason why we call him the Yeti is because in the 2015 blizzard, he went out there in a Yeti costume and helped people shovel out their driveways. I saw pictures of that. Yep. That is WGBH's uh, John Campiano, a filmmaker. Very cool. I don't have any movies that this comic book really relates to, other than our little reference to Star Wars really quick. But I also am out of my notes as well. You girls had anything else you wanted to say about this issue? No, I'm excited for the next issue when we wrap up this story arc. There's one issue between this story arc and then the Archie issue I found out. So that's kind of cool. But I can't wait to get to that Archie issue. I can't either. That's going to be a lot of fun. It is. It's, I mean, I, I do think that some hack slash issue, issues definitely lean more towards just being fun, whereas others are like serious horror or whatnot. That's one of the definitely probably the most fun issues. Look forward to it. Thank you, Alice, for joining us for this issue of Hack Slash. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much for having me. Why I had so much fun. Why don't you give out your social media information where people can find you as well as where people can find any of the articles that you've written? Allie, B-A-M-P-A-L-Y, at Twitter. Uh, same name on uh, Instagram. You can find me, Alice Collins, on Bloody Disgusting, Infinite Frontiers Online. And you can, don't forget, you can find us at, what are we? I'm Mad But Magic on Twitter. Yeah, and uh, at Goth Girl Horror. Oh, my God, I almost forgot our Twitter name. Oh, and you just posted the picture <laughs> of that of that cover. Yeah, I've never seen that before. What? It's like one of my favorite covers. I thought it was so cool. I have she's got never... like all the girls like hanging on her and she's like... I've never seen that cover before, so that's interesting. All right, so if you go on Twitter and you scroll to Sunday, because by the time this post, this will be Thursday, The uh, if you scroll to Sunday for this week, Serena posted a picture of the other cover, which I've never seen before, because I've only ever seen the blue cover with Cassie uh, crowd surfing. Oh, cool. And again, it, it looks like Vlad is lunging at Cassie. It does. A little bit. A little bit. But the girls all hanging all over Cassie is kind of cool. Yeah, it is. I thought it was awesome. I mean, it's I... her I, superhero I, moment. Right, right. And she's got a gun, too. She's got a... She's got a Glock. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Who drew this? <laughs> Brian Baugh. Okay, well, we're going to have some words with him. If you are in the Boston, Massachusetts area on 16th, 17th, and 18th, uh, the sponsor of this show, Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts, Beverly Barsh, and myself will be at the Boston Comic Con. I will be there on Friday, and she will be with me on Saturday. I will be dressed as one of the following characters. I haven't decided which one yet. Castiel, the Iron, Amer- the Iron Chef American, Spider-Man Noir, or one of those three. So one of the, two of those three I will be dressed up as at the Boston Comic Con on Friday and Saturday. Nobody from this comic book is going as far as I'm aware. They haven't finished all their announcements yet, but Tim Seeley has gone to this con before with his brother, so hmm. maybe, he'll, uh, maybe he'll come back. I don't know. Again, they haven't finished all their announcements yet, and there have been some cancellations. The big get for this con this year will be Todd McFarlane. Oh, nice. Ooh, awesome. And he is signing two free items no matter what they are. So if you want to bring your copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 300, the first appearance of Venom or Spawn number one, you can. Oh, geez, I wish I had access to those. I have them. Oh, they're in Minnesota. Uh, Yeah, late this month, Spawn number 300 comes out, which will go on uh, into issue 301 to become the longest-running independent creator-owned comic book in history. That's insane. 
insane. I remember when the first issue came out. Wow. Yep. Round of applause. It will beat. It will beat. It will at. It will beat Dave Sims' Cerebus because Cerebus went to 300 issues and he owns yeah. Cerebus. But this is going until until he's done. I don't know what other independent comic. Here's the other thing though. Dave Sims of Cerebus did every single issue, wrote and drew, drew it. Tom McFarlane has barely been involved with Spawn until the last couple of years again, but it's been written and drawn by several other people. The only other comic book to have a creator own his comic book and draw or write every single issue is probably coming up on 300, 275 soon, Eric Larson's Savage Dragon, also by Image Comic Books. Oh, cool. I didn't yeah. Know Savage Dragon is the only independent comic book by Image still being done by its original creator, both writing it and drawing it. Good job. That's really cool. I haven't, I haven't read Savage Dragon in so long. I should check it out. I want to say the third longest-running independent comic book that was going for a number of uninterrupted issues, but not by its original creative team, was probably Witchblade, but that ended with issue 175. And then uh, Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose, has been going up until now. It's up to issue like 108 or 110 or something like that. And and hmm. Jim Ballion has written and drawn every issue of that. Uh, That's the, amazing. The Walking Dead ended at issue 192 recently. Yep, yep, with Kirkman doing that. IDW mm-hmm. is about to hit a milestone with their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic book, which, yeah, they are not the original owners of it. You know, that was Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. But Kevin Eastman has co-plotted every issue of the fifth volume of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And as in coming up this uh, November, they will hit issue 100. Nice. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, Big deal, too, for Turtle fans, because no Turtle comic book has ever gone to 100 issues before. For sure. Especially one that, you know. Thank you, everybody. Come back in two weeks for the next issue of Goth Girl Horror covering Hack Slash. Bye, everybody. Bye. It's midnight. The podcasting hour. From fetid swamps to creepy castles. The Podcasting Hour is your home for horror on the Fire and Water Network. Join me, PJ Frightful, on this quarterly anthology podcast that gazes into the mysterious and terrifying shadows of DC Comics. The moon is full and the bell tolls for midnight, the podcasting Gonna stop tonight, let the